Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Come on inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. It is the second week in February. Signing day is in the rearview mirror and Michigan State still without a head football coach. Chris, last week when we recorded this podcast, we were pretty sure that Luke Fickle was going to be the next head coach at Michigan State. And then it was announced later in the week that there was an interview, a formal interview. He was there. The, there was, like, people were tracking the private planes, which is what they do now. I think it's crazy. They track the planes and to where they're going, oh, this one is headed to Lansing, and look who's on board. Uh, but we found out earlier that he is staying at Cincinnati, and now Michigan State is still searching for a head football coach. What went into the decision for Luke Fickle to stay at Cincinnati and do a 180 from what most people thought was a slam dunk hire? Well, the issue has been and continues to be the interim athletic director at Michigan State. I know that Luke wanted the job until he met with the interim AD, and you're dealing with a situation with you know some issues at Michigan State we know off the field, and that's – that's a part of it, but that's, you know, is not something that's going to scare people away. What will kind of scare people away is the fact that, you know, you don't know, is this going to be my boss? And there is, quite frankly, not a good situation right now. And that has been something that uh, certainly was a turnoff for Pat Narducci. He never really got involved in it. And uh, it's it's uh, something that most, when uh, they have met with them, are not real comfortable. So, you know, it's it's interesting. We'll see. Um, we'll see where they go. Uh, the best situation may be um, at this stage to just give Mike Tressel, the interim coach, the job for a year. Need to get figured out their long term situation. An athletic director probably get some of these things off the field, at least uh, you know in the rearview mirror, and then maybe maybe reboot again next year in next year's coaching cycle. It's a very good job, and I know that they've had a little bit of a downfall off the field and on the field. It's still a very good job, but right now that job is being uh, lessened by right now the interim athletic director, which is. The reason why that um, Will Fickle was decided to say, you know, no, thank you. Otherwise, I think this is kind of a drawing type job for him, a Big Ten job, really good job. Uh, but I don't think he wants to get involved in that mess, nor does uh, a lot of people with uh, other options at this point. So rather than scramble to make a hire right now or in, in another couple of weeks, do you think that it's in their best interest? to just go the interim route for one year and, and then go into this coaching hire cycle next season? Or or would I it think, behoove them to reach out to someone? You know, we can get into some names in a couple of minutes, but, you know, just thinking about the calendar and where you are right now, is it better for them just to go the interim route? Well, I think it really depends upon who they could get. Again, they would have Luke Fickle if they had a better situation a more stable situation than as athletic director. So how do they feel about a uh, Brett Bielema? Uh, would he be, would he be as interested after meeting with the interim AD or, you know, anyone else? I think it would really depend. 
I think there is some merit to getting the whole situation figured out from an athletic director standpoint, and then maybe kind of rebooting and reexamining it next year. Now it, it certainly might require them giving a couple of year deal, at least to, to Mike Trestle and maybe he would do a great job and earn it. I mean, that that's definitely a way to go, but I think it really depends upon who else would, uh, would be willing to take the job in the current circumstances. I think the timing's tough. But the tougher the tougher situation is the circumstances surrounding kind of the administration, and that's not a real strong point at this at, at this stage. Did you see uh, Feinbaum ripped the idea that Brett Bielema could be the next head coach? You know, he's basically no. like he's basically one off. He's like you know basically saying he was the guy was a disaster in Arkansas. Uh, you know, wasn't good at Wisconsin, and um, he makes countless mistakes. And it just wouldn't be in a good situation for him. Well, he did a very good job at Wisconsin. He got yeah. the Arkansas job as a result of that. He, you know, a lot of guys have done a good job at Wisconsin. So it's not like he was alone there, but he did a very good job there. And it was the, um, you know, the first of the runs really of, you know, uh, of, of kind of looking at Barry Alvarez's kind of tree and, uh, yeah. He did a very good job. If you look at the Arkansas situation, um, you know, while he certainly didn't take them where they needed to be, uh, he certainly has done a better job than than what's happened at Arkansas. The program's only gotten worse since he's left. So, look, I think it's it's a valid um, examination on whether he'd be the really good. I certainly want to talk with him. He certainly knows the conference. Um, he certainly kind of fits the mold of, you know, because Michigan State is similar to Wisconsin in a lot of respects. Um, and so I think there's a lot to look at in terms of experience-wise within the league. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that there's some things you can always learn from the time that he spent. I know, you know, Belichick um, thought he did a really good job for him on the staff. And, of course, now uh, Brett's with the Giants. Uh, and I do think he'd like to be a head coach again in a program like this. So, uh, no, I think it is something they ought to consider. I certainly would not dismiss it. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, people in football would probably have a, a, a lot of a different opinions on a lot of things than most most talking heads. Can Michigan State be competitive in their portion of the Big Ten? Competitive, yeah. They're not – no one – listen, no one is recruiting or playing at the level of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's, that gap's not closing, uh, nor, nor will it, um, it, Michigan state as always takes second fiddle in the state of Michigan in terms of popularity, even when they're successful on the field against them. So if you look at, um, Michigan and Penn state, those programs probably have better resources. So they're fourth best in the big 10 but yeah, well, they're fourth they, best, they're in, fourth the, best in their in, division, yeah. Yeah, and, they're, and, they're, and I think that they're as competitive with anybody that's in the West right now. I think that they're comparable to Wisconsin, not recently, the past couple uh-huh. of years on the field, but they have resource-wise they can do that. Look, Michigan State made the playoffs. Now, they weren't competitive once they made it, but it's doable, and I think – is I always say, can they win the Big Ten? Of course they can. They're going to need a little help. Ohio State's going to have a have, have down year. But I think Michigan and Penn State are, 
you know, reachable on, uh, on, on a, on a round robin basis, you know, maybe one out of every three, four years winning. I think you could see that you absolutely can win, go to bowl games, be successful in maybe every few years you have a special year there. It, it's a good program. Uh, it's not Ohio state. Um, and you know, I think that if you put them in the West, then, you know, all of a sudden they're right there with, uh, in, in, in terms of history, historical significance, Right there with the, certainly with the, the best of the West, certainly Iowa, Wisconsin, uh, they'd be right there. They just happen to be the fourth best in the East. And so if the expectation is, well, you need to win the East, and you need, well, that's unrealistic. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, no. Uh, this year's schedule, the uh, their out-of-conference games are uh, at BYU. They play home to Miami and... I think that's it. That's the only uh, at a conference uh, that they have. And then they'll run through their side of the Big Ten. Oh, they play Toledo. They play a MAC team. Um, but they'll run through their side of the Big Ten, and then they'll cross over games. Uh, you know, they got Northwestern, Iowa, Minnesota. So, I don't know. Seven wins is the high watermark? Well, right now they've got some rebuilding because the talent base has slipped, slipped quite a bit. So, now I, you know, I don't know how many wins are right now the next couple of years, but they've got some rebuilding to do. Now, by the way, you mentioned Toledo. There's a guy. I don't know if the timing's right for him, but Jason Candle would be an outstanding candidate for a place like a Michigan State, the um, Toledo coach. So, look, there's still some options. Again, um, you know, the issues are a little bit bigger than just where the football program is. There's there's a lot of cloud surrounding the program, and obviously we we're gonna find more details of some of the off the field scandal that may make the program or maybe scaring away some of the people too of what might be coming out about that. That certainly could help or excuse me, hurt the future of the recruiting effort. So I think that's what's going on in East Lansing more than anything right now. We'll get back into the podcast in just a second, but I got breaking news. This is an important PSA brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever. Now, I have the 2.0, but I got to go out there and get myself the new 3.0 because that's what they did. They made the 2.0 even better. The Lawnmower 3.0 Manscaping Trimmer is now available for purchase and get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code BLEAV. And as always, your balls will thank you. All right, let's talk recruiting. Uh, obviously, we had signing day uh, last week, the February signing period. So now that that is behind us, uh, who are the top classes uh, according to Landry football? Here's something that's really interesting. If you think about this, of this 2020 class, you've had you know, about 35-star prospects. 19 of the 30 signed with either Georgia Alabama, Clemson, LSU, or Ohio State. <laughs> of the top of the top 100 prospects, 47 of them signed 
with one of those five. Again, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and the only non-Southern footprint team, Ohio State. Yep. And so that's where your recruiting classes have been. Now, there are a couple of things that go into that. One, it's a little bit of, um, uh, you know, look, if, if, if you've got a player, and let's say he's, quote, unquote, a three-star by the services, and they find out that Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State are recruiting them, automatically they go up to a four-star. You know, it's kind of how those guys do it. It's more information gathering. They're not really – what I would call great ability to analyze, um, you know, players. So a lot of it is, well, what's, you know, what's the best, what's the best classes. It's usually going to be the best teams year in and year out. I thought Georgia had probably Georgia and Alabama, you know, probably had more impact type players. Clemson was outstanding. Uh, LSU, Ohio state beyond that. I would say guys like AM, Auburn, Florida, really good. Florida didn't have such a good day on Wednesday to finish out their class, but overall pretty good. Thought Tennessee had a great day to kind of take their class to maybe in the top 10. Thought Texas and Oklahoma, that's your only, you know, outside of Ohio State and Clemson, you know, only a Texas would kind of fit into the top 10, maybe Oklahoma on the outside. Um, so you're, you're looking at a big drop, say between Texas and Oklahoma to the rest of the big 12 in the ACC, a huge drop from Clemson. But I do think that, you know, like Florida state with a short period, Miami did a nice job. Um, you know, in the big 10, it, it would be, you know, Michigan and Penn state behind Ohio state, but a big drop in out West, uh, the storyline continues to be. USC struggles and big time yeah. struggles. Uh, Oregon certainly had a really good uh, class. I thought Washington did a nice job. Did Stanford? Another school that concerns me recently is Virginia Tech. Like their classes has been really questionable and surprisingly off the mark, so to speak. But the rich get richer, Scott. I mean, look. I mean, if you look at at the the ten, you know, top ten. I mean, seven of them are SEC schools. Yeah, oh, uh, and and it's mm-hmm. just you know. So and and you look outside of that, uh, you've got some schools that really had good classes like South Carolina and you know Kentucky and you know Mississippi State was decent because Joe Moore had left a good, but but they're all like you know ninth, tenth, you know eleventh in in the in the group in the SEC. So that's why it's so tough. It starts with talent. You got to develop that talent. But, you know, what's real interesting, too, is, again, how many of these guys stay in the program, how many of them transfer, how you get developed, all those things matter. Because when you look at classes, sometimes the recruiting classes won't look as good, but then you maybe sign five or six transfers. Well, how do those transfers play out? Like Miami's class last year was not very good, but they signed a bunch of transfers. So if the transfers pan out, they're really good. I mean – if they don't, then, you know, I mean, look at an LSU. You know, they haven't really recruited a good quarterback. But they basically signed one in Joe Burrow on a transfer. Worked out well. So there are different ways to do it now. And sometimes you can – look, college football is about chalks, Scott. I mean, it's not like we're going to be sitting here saying, man, we're not going to be having a conversation and saying, all due respect, uh, 
and Georgia Tech or, you know, or uh, Maryland. Man, I, we sure are shocked they made the playoffs this year. Yeah. There's no chance of that happening. We know going in, and maybe this is good, maybe this is bad, we know pretty much who the teams are going to be, who the candidates are going to be. And we'd be really stretching it if we put it to 10, because there's really not 10 teams with a chance to make the playoffs next year, but we could just for the sake of conversation, throw out 10 and you can look at the recruiting classes and figure out, okay, it's pretty much it. It's Georgia. It's Alabama. LSU will take a step back this year, but they're still good. Clemson's going to be there. I mean, anybody want to bet against Clemson or Ohio State being two of the four next year? You throw in either Georgia or Alabama, and then, you know, somebody sneaks in, and, you know, who that's going to be. Is it going to be an Oregon? Is it going to be an Oklahoma? I mean, you know, it, it's it's pretty much chalk recruiting and on the field, and I think one begets the other. And the other thing is, is these recruits have to pan out. Right. You got to hit on some of these guys and, and a kid could be ranked as highly as anybody, but it'll fizzle out sometimes. And that's the story that we're seeing this week with Houston linebacker Yabi Anoma, who was the former number three overall prospect in the country a couple of years ago, who went to Alabama, transferred to Houston and is now dismissed from the Houston program for a unspecified violation of team rules. This happens, Chris. Guys don't pan out. It happens. Uh, we still don't know like, where Zach Evans is going to go and whether he's going to be someone that's going to stay where he goes and how that's going to play out. Uh, you mentioned Anoma is a guy that was very highly regarded by Alabama and was a good, a good kid from the Atlantic Seaboard. And, you know, ends up getting in the transfer portal. Then he gets out of the transfer portal. Then he stops going to class in the summer. Then he gets back in the transfer portal. Well, he goes to Houston. Okay, he's off the radar screen a little bit. He's at a G5 school, fresh start. He goes there, uh, has some more problems, you know, dealing with issues. So this is a guy that has, like, pro potential down the road that hadn't even played it down to college football. And for all we know, uh, at this stage where he's going to end up, is he going to be academically eligible to go somewhere else? Where? Uh, is he going to even play college football? I mean, these are the things that we just don't know. Very often, nine times out of ten, when one of these guys don't make it, it's because of something off the field. It's an injury issue or it's something like this where they just don't mature or they just got some issues. They're no different than any other form of society. People have problems and dealing with it sometimes can be cumbersome. What's Scott Linehan going to bring to LSU now? You know, it's interesting. He certainly brings an NFL pedigree and an NFL background. Uh, it's going to be interesting, the fit. Um, he's a much more experienced guy than Joe Brady. Joe Brady was a young buck that came in with people tend to say, oh, he brought in the Saints system. Not really. He brought in more of the RPO system learned from Joe Moorhead at Penn State. Ironically, Joe Brady is now the hottest thing since lights bread. And the guy that he learned the most from and he reveres the most in coaching is Joe Moorhead, the guy who fired from Michigan State. <laughs> so it just goes to show you how, you know, the perception of people in reality, Scott's been around a long time. And I think he's going to bring a lot of pro element to it. Well, let's call it what it is. Scott, uh, Scott Linehan. Uh, Scott Seidenberg, Scott Linehan is not <laughs> LSU is not going to have the same type of season that they did last year. They're going to be good. They've got a lot of talent. They're going to be in the mix, but they're not. They're not going to have that type of year. Last year was magical because of Joe Burrow, a whole lot of playmakers. 
you know, they don't have Joe Burrow this year. So, you know, hey, uh, newsflash, it won't be quite as good. Now, they're still going to win, still could maybe win 10, 11 games next year, but not quite the same as as it was. So I, I think he brings a lot of experience, and I think he has the type of personality that's going to mess with Steve Insminger. It'll be interesting to see where it plays out, though, with all the changes that they've made. They've got quite a bit. You've got Bofalini on the staff now. They're going to look a little bit different. I would suspect they're going to be a little bit more focused on the run game, a little bit more on playing defense. I think those are the things that we're going to have to see out of this LSU team that's going to look a little bit different. Where last year they said, show Joe Burrow, this is your team, boy. Take it, go with it. And he just dominated week in and week out. That's going to be a different type of game plan going in each and every week, whether it's Miles Brennan, another transfer. Um, you know, Brad Johnson's son, by the way, you remember Brad Johnson, of course, played at Florida mm-hmm. State. Was a, yeah, of course. A, well, his son, Max, is a, just signed last week with LSU. He's not ready to play yet, but he's a good-looking young kid. And they've got a couple of young quarterbacks, but Miles Brennan is the heir apparent, and we're going to see who else enters the mix, uh, and we'll see what Scott that Linehan can do with him and, and Steve Insminger, of course. So it's an interesting time uh, as we gear up towards the spring, Chris, the second week in February as we record this podcast. We go to LandryFootball.com. What are we focusing on at this time? Period? Uh, man, there's just so much. It's hard to say focus because the focus is kind of spread out. So the big thing that everyone needs to focus on every day is the the, the notebooks. Everything going on, uh, the, you've got assistant coaching movement still. You know, you've got, for example, um, uh, Tennessee loses their defensive line coach to South Carolina and, you know, Tennessee has to hire a coach, hires Colorado's defensive line coach. You have a lot of that movement that's going on around it. We get you updated on that as well as the class of 2021, lots of movements going on around us, as well as um, different details relate. Like for example, one of the best recruits in the country that LSU signed Eric Gilbert, the best tight end in the country. It's already been ruled out of spring practice. He's going to have to have shoulder surgery. So it's little details like that around the country. Tom Herman talking about some position changes um, before they head into spring. A lot of details like that, a lot of draft information, a lot of recruiting information. For in our NFL notebook, again, more free agent information, draft information as well. Uh, so we've got the class of 2021 we're working on on the recruiting side of things and obviously working on our draft boards, our free agent boards. So it's one-stop shopping football, got our scouting season discounts. So as you can tell, you know, during the season, it's about the games. In, in When the season gets into the non-season you know, season part, playing part of the – it's like it goes into different atmospheres. It's college free agency with the transfer portal. It's recruiting and already for 2021. It's, it's draft and free agency. It's, it's all of that the stuff going into one so it's actually more news and quite frankly the best time to join us because we can keep you up to date on everything that's going on around with all of it over at LandryFootball.com and of course follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball yeah, stay ahead of all the latest breaking news because you'll find out about the coaching news and scouting news and recruiting news before anybody else has become a member of LandryFootball.com. Or as he said, follow him on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room wherever you get your podcasts from. Pretty soon as we get into the offseason, full swing, we'll get into our state of the programs of the top 10, top 25 schools. So we'll be on top of that throughout the offseason, and we'll keep you informed on everything going around in the world of college football. Until next week, Chris, enjoy the weekend you do the same bud thank you for listening to believe 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.